It's a beautiful sunny day down here in the Fraser Valley. Welcome. Uh, a day like this, you always almost want to be outside, um, but it's kind of chilly to be just sitting outside. So get outside and do something active, maybe outside or inside. Um, we are. I'm gonna. I'm gonna share my screen. There we go. Outside or inside, we are, most of us, on the lands of the Semiamu, Stolo, and Kwantlen peoples. And um, this is uh, these are the people that were here well before us. And um, there's no formal agreement or a treaty that uh, actually says we can be here. So we are very grateful and want to be very respectful as well. By the way, um, some of you may have picked up uh, some news DNA evidence now that um, the people of the entire Americas have been here for probably a lot longer than we thought. We were kind of thinking 5,000 years, um, but it looks like probably 15,000 years uh, as a separate um, group came down from the Arctic um, and started up there most likely. So pretty interesting stuff. Anyways, I digress, but um, but it does tell you something about where we are and who we are even. I am going to turn it over to Sarah for the next little bit. We have a lovely little interview coming up. Good morning, everybody. I am just gonna find our person for interview today. And here we go. And it's Carol from South Carolina. <laughs> hey guys, <laughs> good morning. Or good and afternoon so, for me. Oh yeah, afternoon, wherever you Yeah, it starts at 1.30 for me out of here. <laughs> oh wow, so it's a post-lunch event. Um, mm -hmm. Okay, so uh, I'm gonna ask Carol a few questions just so we can get to know her a little bit because you're never gonna run into her in a live setting. So these are questions you can ask each other when you get together in a live, but uh, when we're online, it's a little trickier. So Carol, first of all, I mean, I've probably done it already, but who are you? Um, Carol Berry. I live in Columbia, South Carolina, which is the state of South Carolina. Um, I work for the South Carolina Department of Corrections. Um, so I work with, um, I started working in corrections with kids, juveniles, and then later I moved over to the adult section. And right now I'm, I've always been in health services, but, um, I'm going into, um, quality services, right? Quality stuff management now where we're doing graphs and Excel and you know. <laughs> all the fun stuff. So, the fun stuff. so less people stuff, more paper stuff. Yeah. And I hate that because I'm better with people. Oh. <laughs> I'm a hundred percent better with people. So, but I have started something on the side. Well, keep going. I don't, I don't, I won't go okay. down a rabbit hole. <laughs> all right well i'm fascinated by that i've started something on the side we'll come back um how long have you been connected here at the bridge almost almost a year about huh? about uh, 60 days shy of a year so well cool mm -hmm. i mean yeah. you you've been a you've been a regular face on the screen which is lovely mm -hmm. <laughs> trying trying to unless technical difficulties happen oh yeah oh, that yeah. always Perfect mm -hmm. when it works, terrible when it doesn't. Um, mm -hmm. So I, I'm going to go back to your, I've started something on the side because I really am fascinated by that. 
Oh, I, I spent um, about 12 years of my life um, since uh, 2010 caring for my mother who had Alzheimer's. She passed about a year ago. So I'm still trying to figure out what, you know, what I like to do and what I want to do. But because um, care, caregiving is a full time, full time job. And um, uh, but anyway, as an offshoot of that, a friend of mine called me uh, about a month ago and said um, her husband had Parkinson's really bad. And she said, and I'm having a hard time navigating the long term care insurance world. And my mother had long-term care insurance. So, so, um, so I jumped into, I've known these people for a long, ever, ever since I was a teenager. And so it's, um, so I've taken that over. I've taken over part of her, um, uh, the caregivers and uh, getting the reimbursement from the insurance company and stuff like that. So I'm getting back into dealing with people again, which is kind of nice. And, and helping those who can't figure out the system. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Awesome. Well, that's, that's yeah, and so, and I, I think that's going to lead to more because yeah. she said she, she's got several other friends that need help right now. So, oh, yeah, so. I'm, I'm sure there'll be plenty of people that'll be like, oh, please help me figure this out. I can't do mm-hmm. it. So, mm-hmm. Awesome. Yeah. That's wonderful. Okay. Mm-hmm. And um, so uh, let me just transition to where do you experience community? Um, I, um, that, that was slower gro- going because I had, I moved back to South Carolina in 10. I, I used to live, I lived in the Midwest for a lot of years. And um, um, so I, it was, I, I was taking care of mom so much. It was so much part of my life and everything that um, developing out external relationships were not, it wasn't real po- possible. And, um, but I made a friend, a couple of friends, really, really good friends. And then, um, um, Work, of course, is another, you know, support system because you get you get to know people there. And then I've got um, my partner that we've been together a couple of years. I worked with her, too. So before. So I've known her for quite some time. Cool. So it's 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 growing, but it's getting there. <laughs> it's slow growing. And I guess the pandemic uh, put a put a Damn, spanner in yeah. that for a little while. Yeah. Mm-hmm. OK. And so my final question is, what brings you peace? Um, I tried to, I tried to really think about that. I guess just knowing, um, going, knowing that Abba's got this, he's got all of it. And, um, if, if there wasn't anything that I didn't learn while I was taking care of mom is that Abba is just, he's in the little details of every part of our lives. I mean, everything. And so that gives me peace. That gives me peace. Wonderful. Yeah. Well, Carol, it was lovely to uh, to meet you. I mean, we've met you before, but it was lovely to find out a bit more about you. All right. Yeah. Thank you very much. And uh, next we'll, we'll pick on somebody else. But thanks, thanks for being here. Thank you, guys. All right. I'm going to hand it over to Leah and Mark, who are going to lead us in communion. Okay. Can you hear us? Yep. Oh, good. <laughs> that's, that's kind of important, too. Um, just wanted to start with um, <clears throat> just a little sort of a, a prayer sort of said for everyone as we begin communion. 
Um, communion is a, is a way of gathering together. And in getting together, we need to acknowledge uh, the people that are around us. I think it's really important um, to show that everyone is accepted and everyone is part of it. And everyone needs to be affirmed in who they are. <clears throat> in the midst of all that keeps our spirits frantic, <laughs> overwhelmed, sometimes troubled, we pause. We pause to remember each other as those whose precious and precarious lives are inherently bound together. We'd pause to remember the basic gifts of water, of trees, of beauty, of the land we gather upon. <clears throat> we pause to remember our neighbors who are distant and near. And so to the one who has love, we bring the prayers of our communities where we share in joy or concern. Let us respond together. And so in communion, Jesus said, <clears throat> I am the bread of life. All who come to me shall not hunger. All who believe in me shall not thirst. We gather around these symbols of bread and wine, elements of both nourishment and transformation. Let us pray. Loving God, you are as close to us as, your, as our breath. Your love is constant and unfailing. Thank you. Remember on the night when Jesus and the disciples had their last meal, Jesus took the bread, gave thanks, and we have some elements you can uh, get a hold of and some wine or uh, something to drink. This is my body, which is broken for you. Take it and eat it and remember me. In the same way, he took the cup and after giving thanks, he gave it to the disciples saying, drink this, all of you. This cup is the new covenant poured out for you and for many. Do this as often as you drink it in the remembrance of me. In the symbol of the cup, we participate in the new life Christ brings. Let us pray. We give thanks, loving God, that you have refreshed us at your table. Strengthen our faith. Increase our love for one another. May we go out into the world to plant seeds of transformation, affirmation, and hope. Amen. May God bless you on this day. We just like to um, before Eden speaks. We'd like to uh, just pray her into um, into this moment for her and this this journey she's taking that we we get to be part of. So um, um, let's just pray for Eden as as we go forward. <clears throat> Lord, we thank you so much for Eden, and uh, oh, it's so good to walk alongside her on the on the journey of of discovery and love that you have for us in this place. And in our lives, as we head out on a Monday, um, the cold realization of, of life every day. Oh, it's so good to be encouraged and to be part of this. Just walk with her and uh, speak through her. Uh, help her just to be a vessel of, of the kinds of things uh, you want us to know that we need in our hearts and our lives. Um, with all those around us and the world that uh, confronts us during those other days. All of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Mark. Um, you know, we follow the lectionary here at the bridge and or fairly closely. Um, and usually we just pick one passage. And that's usually more than enough to, to take on. 
Um, but I, I realized that in the process of making mine, I did, I think, actually touch on each of the passages. Um, and, and that doesn't mean I'm going to like lay them all out. It just means I really just kind of tap at them. So um, when you get your invitation on Sunday morning or during the week for Sunday mornings, the passages are there. And um, if you're a keener, uh, I think Sarah has some star stickers for you. Um, and, uh, you know, you can read ahead and just see where things might go. Anyways, this morning, I'm going to start in Matthew 8. And um, here we have an account of Jesus, uh, once again, being in the middle of a crowd. And there's lots of people wanting to hear him and to be healed. And uh, a religious scholar who has been part of the crowd approaches Jesus and says, teacher, I'll follow you wherever you go. And Jesus responds with, foxes have dens and birds of the air have nests, but the son of woman has nowhere to lay his head. And then another follower, a fanboy, says to him, Lord, let me first go bury my father. And Jesus replied to him, follow me and let the dead bury the dead. Now, that sounds a little harsh, doesn't it? Like, the guy just wants to go and have a funeral for his dad. Like, how long would that take? It's not like nowadays where we can keep someone, um, you know, cool and fresh for a few weeks. So who would deny someone the right to just go bury a loved one? So let me talk out of place, out of a place of like curiosity and filling in some possible blanks. Um, I mean, I, I might be a heretic. I don't know. You guys can decide. But this, this follower didn't say that his dad had actually died. If he had, this guy would not likely be there in that crowd because they buried people really quickly. It's possible that he felt like he had an allegiance to his father and he didn't want to shirk on that. Or maybe his dad had died and Jesus is questioning whether this is just an excuse and how many other things will need to happen before this guy is free to follow Jesus. So like, will the will need to be settled before this guy can show up? Is there property that needs selling? Are there any other things that need to be tended to before this guy is actually free to follow? So this is what I want to focus on this morning. What are the things that delay, postpone, prevent, and get in the way of us just following Jesus? We're going to call them our attachments. So attachments are things we bind ourselves to, like a person, uh, a thing, a cause, even an outcome. I think that when scripture talks about burdens and idols, that may also be reasonably translated as attachments. So what's so terrible about attachments? I mean, we are told as new parents that it's important to create attachments with your baby. So is that what we're talking about? Well, uh, it may be. 
if that attachment is an unhealthy form of control, or if a parent loses themselves and their identity through that attachment. Those of us who have had babies well know just how easy that was to do. Here's a quote from Yasmin Mogahid. Try not to confuse attachment with love. Attachment is about fear and dependency and has more to do with love of self than love of other. And love without attachment is the purest love because it isn't about what others can give you because you're empty. It's about what you can give others because you're full. May I offer a caution about our attachments? This is a quote from Thich Nhat Hanh. Our attachment to views, to beliefs, doctrine, dogma, creeds, ideologies is the greatest impediment to the spiritual faith. When we attach to an opinion or a particular translation of a verse, or we latch on to a certain understanding of the ramifications of those opinions, we will likely find ourselves quite lost in our pursuit of Jesus. This may be why the church at large is in such a perilous state. When a denomination or leader demand allegiance without question, they can form toxic attachments over time that can cause a widespread indifference to Jesus. And that is the costliest result of those attachments. So what are some of the attachments that you have found yourself trapped in or controlled by? Maybe you can look back and see where you were completely consumed with a particular outcome and it was at the peril of a relationship or at least a healthy balance in your life. Some of the reasoning why we have so many different voices sharing on Sunday mornings here at the bridge is because we're trying to avoid the single voice that may draw you into an attachment to that person or personality or to their opinion or what they believe. We love hearing each other. We love listening to the new thoughts and ways that expand how we're thinking and what we might feel about that. Some of us get our value through an attachment. So that may look like being friends with a particular person in order for that association to make you look and feel more important, like think high school and the cool group. An attachment may also give you value if it includes a title. So that may be job or career related or related to an educational agree, a degree that you've earned. I recall a prof at college who was really bothered when his PhD was not recognized by using the prefix DR when he was being addressed. Even in the moment as a 20 year old, I understood that was not very healthy. 
And attachment may also be about what you have that may be reflected in the size of your home or the location of your home. It might be about how often you can go on holidays or where you travel to. It might be about your cars or how many of them you have. I'm not saying that having any of these things makes you attached to them unless you're allowing your own personal value to be measured by these objects. <clears throat> and attachment may also be about outcomes. And our value is then attached to something we likely have very little, if any, control over. If I write this book, then I'll be an author and I'll be famous and people will love me and think I'm important. Except you can't make people buy your book and you can't make them like you and you might be entirely forgettable. Let's look at another passage from this morning's lectionary. This is from James 1.21. This is from the Amplified Version. So get rid of all uncleanness and all that remains of wickedness. And with a humble spirit, receive the word of God, which is implanted and rooted in your heart, which is able to save your souls. So here's another version, or we could call it my perversion. So get rid of all those attachments and all that remains of those allegiances and turn to receive what God has implanted in you through his word in name, Jesus. This is going to save you from a lot of heartache and give you your true value. So how do we go about loosening the chains of attachment? It's one thing to say, don't do it. It's another thing to actually let go of ways of being that have become toxic. You may feel just as passionate about your attachment as the disciple did about burying his dad. And it really might be that complicated. I certainly don't want to minimize the challenge that's before us. But it may help if we consider what this attachment is costing us. I'm all about the price tag. I'm Mennonite. Come on. I can love something in the store. But my first step is looking at that price tag. And if I see the price and it's not a price I'm willing to pay, I am going to walk away. It's a little harder to ascertain the price that an attachment has. Because often it doesn't just start as an attachment. Or maybe we feel like the cost is entirely reasonable for the payoff. But over time, our attachment can become very burdensome, heavy, ill-fitting, and cumbersome. I just love all those words. Burdensome, heavy, ill-fitting, and cumbersome. Where else am I going to be able to say those? So picture yourself wearing a backpack. You put your attachment in the backpack, and you wear that everywhere all day long. So imagine, like, having someone on your back, piggybacking all day long, or putting a big heavy object like a vehicle in your backpack and having to carry it all day long. 
I know that our attachments in reality are emotional and don't actually have weight that you can measure on a scale, but they can become really heavy and they can become impossible to hold and they can crush us. I want to do a quick exercise with you, if you're willing, and I want to guide you through a process of releasing um, you from your attachments. So Jesus, you understand our value and you long for us to live out of the value we were created with. Will you provide us with courage to look at our lives and reflect on the things we are attached to and that prevent us from seeing the value you have instilled in us. Please show us the things we have stuffed into our backpacks that we mistakenly have imagined will give us worth and value. Will you help us to lay these allegiances, these longings, these loyalties and affections down in order to make room for our true value as God's breathed creations? Speak to us about your love about what you see in us and remind us of the innate value we have. Jesus, would you please share with each of us a word of validation that may help us to distance ourselves from our unhealthy attachments? Amen. Lest you think we're done, we're not. Because I had an aha moment while I was writing this, an epiphany, if you will. And seeing as it's the season of epiphany, it only seemed appropriate that I would share it. So another one of the passages from the lectionary reading is Isaiah 42. And as I read it, I... I just became aware of just how needy the God I was led to believe in has been. He sounds angry and frustrated and at times like he's just holding his breath and ready to let loose in a devastating way. And he needs to be worshipped. We somehow validate him when we sing. And he needs us to pray or his hands are tied. Did you read those books um, where God is struggling to overcome the enemy and he can't manage until the intercessors start to pray? And not just half-ass prayers, but kick-ass prayers are required. <laughs> those are not four-letter words, just so you know. 
<laughs> and we need to be his hands and feet because without us, nothing will get done. And we, we threw ourselves at his feet to beg for mercy as if it wasn't already flowing from the mercy seat at all times. Could it be that we created God in our own image, not understanding that God is complete and whole and not in need of our, our validation? We need to feel useful. And so we reflect that on God is needing our help, our worship, our prayers, our everything. In the context of unhealthy attachments, God is not a needy taker. He does not consume us. God only gives. But in the context of a loving relationship, God does call us to participate fully in whatever he's doing. He loves what you contribute. He loves to hear you talking to him and listening to him and even praying. He loves to welcome you as a means of grace. And all of this in the context of a healthy, loving relationship. But there's always one of those. There are some things that God doesn't do. Like, they are not going to suddenly show up downtown and feed the hungry and homeless magically. It's not going to happen. In that way, we are meant to be a reflection, an image of our God who cares for their creation, who moves in ways that fill up rather than deplete and heal rather than harm. So here are the attributes of God that I pulled out of Psalm 107, another one of the passages from this morning. God is the one who is good. The one whose faithful love endures forever. The one who redeems. The one who gathers. The one who hears. The one who delivers. The one who leads. The one who satisfies the thirsty, the one who feeds the hungry, the one who fills us with goodness, the one who heals, the one who saves us from the pit. God invites us to participate along with them. Their value is not elevated or diminished by whether we come alongside or not. And our value was set when we were created. But we can find ourselves in some peril when we lean on others and things to try to manufacture a pseudo worth for ourselves. That's why Jesus may have been pushing back at the disciple who just wanted to take care of some business before following him. Our unhealthy attachments, which we could also call idols, are the very thing 
that get in the way of us understanding how deep our worth is. Just in case you think I'm making this up, let's close with Hebrews 12, verse 1. Since we have such a huge crowd of faithful people watching us from the grandstands, let us strip off anything that slows us down or holds us back. And especially those attachments that wrap themselves so tightly around our feet and trip us up. And let us run with patience the particular race that God has set before us. Amen.